Welcome to the front page, taking you behind the scenes of the biggest stories from the New Zealand Herald and News Talk ZB. I'm Francis Cook. It's no secret that New Zealand has a mental health problem, but many of us can feel paralysed if a friend tells us they're having trouble. So what is it like for people going through different types of challenges? And how can you step up for those you care about when they need you? Journalist Juliet Sivitson has been asking just that for our new podcast series, Just Listen. She joins me now. What did you want to focus on for this series and why was this important to you? I think we're getting really good at raising awareness of mental health in New Zealand. We know that it is a big issue. But what we don't know is actually how do we help somebody who's going through a difficult time? There are always, uh, there are a lot more messages these days about, oh, reaching out, reach out if you're struggling. I'm here if you need me. And then when somebody finally plucks up the courage to actually reach out and go, hey, look, I'm not doing so well, then some of us go, oh, now, now what do we do? do what, what do I say? And I think usually the, re- the typical response is to go, oh, no, you know, you're doing really well and just be positive and there's hope and trying to give those, those messages of positivity. And while there's a time and place for those, sometimes those messages can be really invalidating for the person that's actually experiencing deep, deep distress. Yeah. So I guess what I wanted to do was to push the conversation forward and not just talk about people's experiences of different types of mental distress, while that raises awareness of mental health anyway, I wanted to then go a little bit further and go, okay, so what are the things that people said to you or didn't say to you or did that helps or doesn't help or during your darkest days, you know, who was there for you and what did that look like? Yeah, and I think a lot of times... I think a lot of this comes from a good place, right? Like you often want to help someone or you want to fix it, which can lead to if someone opens up to you and tells you, I'm in a really dark place right now, you want to tell them what to do or you want to be like, everything's fine. Or some people have the opposite reaction, I think, and just kind of shut off out of fear of doing the wrong thing. And it can be a little bit of a nightmare, right? I mean, what are some of the things that people said worked for them? I think the biggest thing is just having somebody there to just listen. It's <laughs> the name of the podcast. You know, we have this inbuilt desire to want to save a person from, from terrible emotions, mm. but we have to get out of that mindset of trying to fix somebody, you know, and, and also you can try and give all the best advice possible but for the person who's going through that distress they're not ready to hear that at that point Mm -hmm. Uh, so the best things was just sometimes it's really little like just coming over not for a long time but maybe like 15 minutes just human contact not even necessarily having a conversation but just being there all the words that you do say just going you know what it's okay to be sad. It's okay that you're feeling this way. You're allowed to feel this way. Um, and sometimes people go, oh, what can I do to help? But, so that's a little bit tricky because the people who are in the deep distress, sometimes they don't even know what that help looks like. Mm-hmm. So I guess that first, especially that first time where somebody reaches out or, or asks for help or opens up, mm-hmm. I guess the important thing is just being there just to to be there, just to listen and not try and suddenly rush in with a solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think as well, one of the things that can frustrate me, when we talk about mental health, we often talk about 
depression is a huge one for New Zealand and anxiety. And I think those are really important conversations. But you also made sure to include other challenges, other conditions that people can be dealing with. Tell me more about that and what your thought process was. Yeah, well, mental distress comes in all different shapes and forms. And depression is probably the one that was most commonly discussed and affects uh, a lot of New Zealanders. But you're right, there are other forms of distress. Uh, Often they come from the same place of whether it's depression or anxiety related. Um, And so... I wanted in the podcast to try and interview a people people with a range of different experiences, including bipolar, including experiences of psychosis, of anxiety, of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. There are so many different types of mental illnesses out there. Um, but at the same time, I was quite careful that I didn't want to just put everyone in a box and label them, this person has this particular disorder, so let's talk about this disorder, mm. because... Yeah, there are crossovers with all of those types of whatever the diagnosis is. Um, They all include feelings of incredible distress. And so it's a bit of a balance of going, let's actually talk about what these things are and what these other, you know, illnesses or labels or conditions are. But let's not lose perspective that really they are all just a form of of deep distress, of mental distress. Mm. It must have been difficult making sure you were across such a wide and varied subject and particularly one where you have there's always a duty of care on journalists um and it's funny sometimes I talk to people about it and I say you know I I treat a politician whose job it is to be in the media very differently from someone who has never been interviewed before or particularly um, maybe a child but When you're dealing with someone who either has been in mental distress or is currently in mental distress, that must be, that's a whole new level of making sure that you take that duty of care to someone really seriously. What was that like? Yeah, and I have to admit, like, I feel quite protective of the people that I've interviewed because somehow they've trusted me with these stories of, you know, incredibly vulnerable times of their life. And for some of them, it's the first time they've ever spoken to the media, Mm. let alone spoken to the media about a really traumatic experience for them. So I was very aware that when you're dealing with people who have had very vulnerable experiences, that speaking to the media and then um, naturally having people that might contact them afterwards as well, showing their support or maybe, you know, not support if it's a random troll on Facebook or something yeah. like that, <laughs> that that can be really triggering too. Mm. So, and I had done a bit of training with um, one of the Mental Health Foundation's partner agencies in terms of how we can talk about mental health in a way that doesn't continue to increase the stigma or that doesn't continue or exacerbate any discrimination towards mental illness. And... I wanted my participants to be really informed about what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So when I first um, made the appointments with them and contacted them, I actually created a just a PDF document that indicated exactly what the project was, Mm -hmm. what the interview would be about, not necessarily giving them questions in advance, but an idea of what I wanted to talk to them about. Um, I also 
I suggested to them and I made recommendations of saying, hey, look, now's a really good time to maybe make sure you've got some good support people around you and at the time that the broadcast comes out, you know, just for your own personal um, safety, I guess, for, for mm-hmm. safe storytelling, which is pretty important to keep not only the participants safe but also the audience safe. Um, and so made sure that they knew what was going and also where the podcast and the video and the articles where it was all going to be published and going to be released so that there weren't any kind of surprises along the way of going, oh, I didn't know that was going to be, you know, on the radio or something like that. Mm. So I guess from that perspective, I just really wanted them to to know before they did the interview exactly what they were doing so that they could make an informed decision about whether or not they still wanted to share their story of distress. Yeah, when you mentioned that training um, on making sure we didn't, you know, repeat tropes or increase stigma, because that is that's really important at any point, but particularly when you're taking on a project like this. Was there anything that was touched on in that training that you think bears repeating? Oh, there was. It was incredibly helpful. There were. It's hard to know where to start with that training. Actually, <laughs> it was really, really helpful. It wasn't just for media. It was for people. The, the training called Rakororoa was for people who had lived experience of of mental illness or mental distress in a way that um, learning how to tell their stories in a way that obviously doesn't continue to, um, well, I guess breaking the cycle and breaking the stigma. And one of the things that really, I guess, has stuck with me, and I think this is important for everybody to know, when we talk about a mental illness and mental distress, really, they are just an amplified set of emotions that are actually really normal and human. And I'll use the example of something like, you know, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Have you ever, you know, gone, oh, no, I think I've left the oven on at home and you go, oh, start to have a bit of a freak out. I go, oh, gosh, I haven't switched that off. Did I lock the door or something like that? And these are sort of things that we can sometimes do in our everyday life. But when you amplify that set of emotions and give it a whole lot more, turn up the volume of it, then it becomes obsessive compulsive disorder or uh, uh, the compulsions. Um, The same thing with uh, days where you feel like you're really on top of the world. You know, you feel like, yes, I'm I'm on to it today. Um, This is going well. I've got energy. I'm motivated and I'm completing tasks. Again, a really normal experience that most of us have at some point Mm. in our lives. When you then turn the volume of that up, then we like to put a big scary label of mania on it. Mm. So we have these labels for these different types of mental illness. But when you actually unpick it, they're just amplified versions of really normal human experiences. Mm. And I think that's why we're trying to move away from even just the change in language from talking about a mental illness, which for some people might feel if they don't have any experience of that themselves, they might go, oh, I can't relate to that. And, and illness kind of gives negative connotations. Oh, you're sick. Maybe you need to be medicated or something like that. Whereas when we use the term mental distress, well, we all know what it's like to be distressed. Mm. We've all had experiences of distress in our lives. And so I think little subtle changes to the way we use our language can actually be really helpful to breaking down some of those barriers and facilitating a better understanding of what's actually happening for people who do have serious and ongoing mental distress. Yeah, I there was some things that were brought up in the conversations that you had that changed my mind on some things. And I mean, this is why I like 
long form and why I really enjoy podcasts because I think when you have a longer conversation, you get to get a new level on these things. And it was in the OCD episode where there was discussion of this sign that they saw that said, um, you know, OCD, obsessive compulsive, uh, sorry, obsessive coffee disorder. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Outside so, a cafe. Yeah. And at first I looked at that and I thought, oh, come on, it's so minor. It obviously wasn't meant that way. Like, it's no big deal. And it probably took through sort of five minutes of chat about it that towards the end of this, like, chat that I thought, actually, I, I, I kind of get it that you are facing people minimizing and misunderstanding your struggle every day and it is a build-up of all these little things really don't help and feeling dismissed is part of what exacerbates this distress that people feel and it really it really took that whole chat for me to get it and be right okay you're not actually just trying to push your barrow on some poor stranger. You just want people to understand where you're coming from. Was there any moment like that or even just anything that you learned or that surprised you in this process? Probably the same point about the OCD, obsessive coffee disorder. That actually stuck with me as well. It's funny, isn't it? What sticks? Because I think I know lots of people who have used and thrown around the OCD term to talk about, you know, cleaning habits or um, just a preference for organisation or, or, or routine or something like that. And I think it's very easy to, to call it OCD when actually it's not. And I guess, would we joke about cancer in the same way? Mm. Would you make a joke about that using cancer instead of something else you know like it wouldn't it wouldn't be right it wouldn't it would be rude and mm. not very respectful to the you know how many thousands of people in this country who have experiences of cancer and mm. so i think we need to remember that when we're talking about mental health as well i think for some reason we have a lot more empathy for people who have a physical disability or disease or illness because I think we view it as something that happened to them, perhaps was out of their control. Um, even though we all make diet and lifestyle changes and we live a certain way, uh, you know, if you have an accident, it's, oh, you, you know, you poor thing, you've broken your leg. That's a terrible thing that's happened to you. Mm. Whereas when we view mental health, there's a perception that this is something that maybe you brought upon yourself. Maybe this was your decision and you just need to make a decision to think a different way or to not be that way. And that's where we need to change. We're going, why are we have why do we have such different standards? Why is it so much harder to to have a conversation about mental health than it is to talk about a physical ailment? Mm -hmm. And it's just those different perceptions that we view mental health as something very different. But, you know, the body and mind are so intimately connected and they have devastating impacts the same way, whether it's, whether it's a mental health challenge or a physical health challenge. Mm. The, if, if left untreated, we know what happens for both of those, and that's tragic. So why should one be viewed as something to be, I don't know, more judgmental or less... Mm. 
Or a punchline. Yeah, or a punchline. Exactly. Or a punchline. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a lot, um, and this listening to this series gave me so much food for thought, so thank you very much for putting it out there. If there was just one thing that it achieved, um, what would you hope for that? I really hope that people understand that you can't just snap out of mental distress Mm. and our desire to fix a person while it often comes from a very genuine place of care. Mm. What I want to come out of this, I guess, is a better understanding of sometimes it's just just being there. It's just showing up. It's just being there rather than coming in with a solution in terms of the support people. Mm. Um, And I guess the more we talk about people's experiences and real life experiences, hopefully that helps facilitate a greater understanding um, which then can break down those barriers so that people can actually, uh, you know, not be afraid to just sit next to somebody. And if whether they're crying, whether they're having, you know, a moment where they're expressing whatever painful emotion it might be, mm. that we can all just learn just just to sit there and and be there in that moment of discomfort, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable being the support person, um, which so often it does. Mm. And, yeah, just learning to just be there. And also, I guess if there was one other thing, that all these experiences and people who have shared their story about mental health, you know, we're all the same. We're all Mm. the same. We just have different levels of emotions. Mm. Our primary emotion is still exactly the same. And we all have that in common. Yeah, yeah. And I should say as well, um, in case I wasn't clear in my introduction, that Juliet has interviewed both people who have gone through mental distress and their support people. And I thought that that was um, both interviews were really fascinating, hearing how it was from the outside, looking in as someone who really, really cared and their coping mechanisms as well. I thought it was fascinating. So you can subscribe to Just Listen. It's on the Herald website all this week. It's also on all the podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of the usual places. So do subscribe, have a listen. I found it fascinating and quite unexpected. So thank you for coming in, Juliet. Thank you so much. If you want to know more about a particular investigation we've run or a particular aspect of the media, do let me know. We can do a future podcast taking you behind the scenes of the Herald and ZB newsrooms. You can find me on Facebook at Francis Cook Journalist, Twitter at Francis Cook, Instagram at Francis Cook NZ. Pick your favourite, send me your questions. Let's get them answered. You can also subscribe to the front page as well as just listen. All the usual places, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Until next time, have a great day. 